Hi, this is Brother Richard Edward at Church of Our Savior. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcasts. I wanted to take just a moment before we start this Sunday's podcast to invite you, if you haven't done so already, to contribute to support this vital ministry of the community. Everything from our staff to our IT infrastructure is vital for us to continue podcasting regularly and to continue the service that touches so many lives. It's so easy to give a one-time contribution or make a monthly pledge online. Just go to cosmv.org slash pledge. Again, that's cosmv.org slash pledge. Any amount makes a difference, and your gifts are tax-deductible. Thank you again for listening and supporting this work in the gospel. We look forward to seeing you soon. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And when they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves, now many saw them going and recognized him. And they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesareth and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Come away to a deserted place. Words of Jesus. Well, before we do that, let me briefly comment on what preceded, uh, what preceded the gospel. The first three readings refer to the leaders of Israel, and they have to do with labeling them as shepherds, and so the words of Jeremiah are very powerful, who was writing around the time of the the Israelite captivity in Babylon. And the Jewish nation was really devastated. Babylon had expanded eastward into Israel, conquered Israel, destroyed the temple, and so on, and even carried off a, a fair percentage of the population, in fact, the best people that they would use to be their servants in Babylon. And so uh, Jeremiah is looking at all of this, and he's realizing that the leaders of Israel up to that time were not bringing the people together. In fact, they were scattering the people. 
not only scattering them within Israel, but scattering them across the entire Near East over to Babylon. And of course, as the old story goes in history, the great nations at that time were all vying for control, uh, all vying to, to build up their vast kingdoms. So about 70 years following that exile, uh, Babylon was, was actually conquered by their neighbor Persia. And so it starts all over again, and the king of Persia allowed the Israelites to return back to Israel. And so uh, we start again with trying to be faithful to the covenant that God made with Abraham and which was continually violated over many centuries, which had brought Israel really to the state that they were in at the time that Jeremiah was preaching. However, as we always find with these prophets, there's always a glimmer of hope. There's always a vision of the future and uh, a presumption that God somehow is going to act and that even though we've had these uh, less than perfect shepherds, that he would raise up a great shepherd who would then unify the people and bring them all together and fulfill the promise of the covenant. And of course, in the, in the psalm that we prayed, the Good Shepherd Psalm, that indeed is uh, what Jeremiah was talking about, and that's one of the great psalms, as you well know. Then we get into Paul, and he is speaking about a similar situation, but of course in his own day. He's talking about Jewish people who are circumcised and the Gentiles who are not, and in his preaching, he would always start off with reaching out to the house of Israel first, wherever he went throughout the Mediterranean. He would first, he would first approach the Jewish people, the Jewish community. But then he realized that they were not the only ones called, that God's grace was so uh, magnanimous that it was something for everybody, and that we shouldn't see ourselves as separate because we are circumcised and uncircumcised. And so, in a way, he answered the prayer of Jeremiah and really testifying to Jesus Christ and that he is the good shepherd, he is the unifier, he's the one that brings us all together. Now, in that context, we come to the gospel. And uh, it might help to know that before this particular passage, the passages before it had to do with Jesus sending the apostles out after he had been instructing them and working with them and so on. He sent them out to preach the good news. And they had just returned back after a time to report in on how they did. And so that's the beginning of this gospel. No sooner do they come back that Jesus uh, realizes that it's time for reflection. He wants to hear about their experiences and he wants them to reflect upon the meaning of what happened. But they don't even have a chance to do it. 
The crowds are around, and naturally they, they need the attention of Jesus. They're seeking his attention. And so they decided to try to sneak away, as it were, hop in the boat and go to a deserted place. And of course, this is almost comical in a way, because somebody realizes where they're going, and so the crowd moves on land, and they get there before Jesus even arrives. And so as the boat arrives to the, to the deserted place, lo and behold, it's no longer deserted. And so we start all over again. The crowds are looking for Jesus, they looking for his attention, for his healing, his grace, and so on. So the, the moral of that story of being requested to go out into a deserted place is the, the other half of the Christian equation. The first half is action, and the apostles were involved in action, faith in action. Uh, they had been sent out, you know, to preach the word. And of course, that's what Jesus was doing all along. So there is action. But there's also contemplation. And as everything in nature, uh, there's always the, the seeking of balance, the balance of action and contemplation. When you're imbalanced, things really don't go well. So it, it was important for Jesus to try to uh, instill in the apostles that the need for contemplation. It's like breathing out and breathing in. It's that basic. All of us here, I know, are involved in different works. Uh, and the lives of most of us are, are extremely active, as they really are for most people in this modern age. I mean, everybody's running around. And yet, we don't have a similar or comparative, uh, what you might call contemplative side of our life. We're active. We're breathing out all the time. But what are we breathing in? And therefore, we, we expend ourselves. We expend our resources. And yet, they are never or, or rarely uh, replenished. And so the, uh, the message today is to strive to balance our lives. So there's action, but there is prayer. There is meditation. There is reflection. That is the essential balance of a Christian life. And I think we can all work a lot harder on it. And lastly, the reason why we do that is because as I've said many times in the past, the human ego is really the problem. It's that voice that never, that never turns off in our head. It's always intruding on everything. It's always bringing up the things we have to do and so on because it wants to be the most important thing in our life. Uh, it's our understanding of ourselves in our life. But it really has very little wisdom. And so the idea of stopping things, quieting the mind, as they say, if you have ever uh, studied uh, the arts of meditation, the various ones, they always start off with quiet the mind. Because there is a deeper part of us 
which is really the vessel of grace. It's in our nature. And it's something that we're not aware of consciously. But it's there. And it will come up here and there. But it can only come up if we are receptive. And that's why we have all these prayerful things going on. At least they're offered. We do it here, actually, every day. So it's very important to realize that the depth in you and I really has all of the grace that we need. That's how the Lord really communicates to us. It overrides the ego. And the ego can be very, very powerful and very domineering. Many, many decades in New York, I went to a session. It was in uh, Manhattan. And it had to do with uh, a meditative uh, process. And there were a lot of people there. It was a weekend, sort of like a retreat. Nobody lived there, but we, you know, each night we had to go back and forth. And I was sitting next to a young woman who, right at the beginning, when we started to go through some of these exercises, she was extremely agitated and uh, was extremely uncomfortable. Now, this is all in the background of the person leading the thing was extremely calm and calming everybody, and everybody was very calm. But she was extremely agitated. And so uh, she left. And so I actually went after her, actually, because I didn't know what was going on. I thought, you know, maybe she needs help. And it was interesting. Uh, she eventually related that she could never really do this that she would get extremely agitated, uncomfortable, and for some reason she just couldn't uh, abide by it. it. It was physically stopping her. And then, so I kept in touch very, uh, not very much, but occasionally. And it seemed that her real problem was that she, uh, she couldn't trust uh, the deeper part of herself. The ego wouldn't let her go there. It didn't want her messing around down there because some of those things may override the ego. So I just use this as a little example of don't underestimate the power of the human ego. Uh, it could inadvertently block you from going further into yourself. And it frequently does. So. Let us all try to balance our lives a little more. Let us uh, be active in the world, be active in our faith, and you know, etc. But let us make sure that every day of our life we strive to have some form of reflection and contemplation. Good luck. for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.